0: In 1 Samuel, chapter 5, some of you are going, what? This is Christmas Eve service. (laughs) I know, right? Nevertheless, in 1 Samuel, chapter 5, after the ark of God had been captured by the Philistines as God had arranged in what was a hard knocks lesson in life to God's special people Israel, Once that lesson was understood by God's people, he had another one in store for the Philistines, and they started to regret that they had taken it away from God's people. You see, after the Lord's purposes were accomplished in using the pagan nation, this dark foreboding, a change in their whole Leben, to use the German theological term to make you sound very smart, started to change in the Philistines' lives, were plagued literally with pestilence and illness and disease. The Philistines nevertheless placed the Holy Ark of the Covenant that they had captured. It was, in effect, their trophy, and they took it and they placed it in the temple of one of their many gods that they worshipped called Dagon, sitting it right next to the idol. In the morning, the idol of Dagon seemed to have fallen over, coincidentally. It fell over face down, coincidentally, right in front of the Ark of the Covenant, coincidentally. Not thinking too much about it, the Philistines propped the idol back upright. The next morning, they found the idol of Dagon face down again, in front of the ark. Only this time, its head had been broken off and its hands also broken off and lay on the ground before the ark. What is unmistakable in this historical narrative is that God was sending a message both to the Philistines as well as to his own people Israel. And that message is, there is one God in the universe and his name is Jehovah. And he is holy and both his presence and his favor cannot be presumed until and unless one is holy even as he himself is holy and through the pages of the scriptures we see that even God's hand selected people were not and God left their presence and removed their favor as victors The conquering Philistines thought they had received a windfall as they gathered the hallowed Ark of the Covenant to themselves as part of the spoils of war from the conquering of their enemies. But they themselves again were a pagan nation worshiping numerous deities of their own creation. But God is clear in speaking to all people for all time, for even in the very first of his Ten Commandments, He makes it patently clear. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water underneath the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me. And keep my commandments. While being set apart from all the nations of the earth, God intended for his people Israel to be a holy people, worshiping and serving him alone. But God's people, as we know from our own experiences, were no different than the Philistines. For as Paul the Apostle tells us centuries later in the New Testament, all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. The Lord did not set his love on you. We read in the book of Deuteronomy early in the Old Testament. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you. Because you were more in number than any of the peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But rather because the Lord loved you. And kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. There was nothing about Israel in and of themselves that commended them to the favor of God other than his supreme sovereign choice. Because of the wretched curse of sin, no one deserved to be favored with God's abiding presence and love. And so his glorious plan for the redemption of mankind unfolds from their rebellion. Beginning in the Garden of Eden in the very first book of the Bible in the earliest chapters, in the book of Genesis, all the way to the recreation of a new heaven and a new earth in the last book of the Bible called Revelation. This morning, the Christmas story unfolds from the pages of Scripture so that mankind may enjoy God Almighty as King and Creator to infinity and beyond. The fourth telling of the Prince of Peace of Christmas Eve begins long before Joseph and Mary end up in a stable on that holy night. Well, welcome. This is the Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve morning day. And we decided not to have an Eve Eve service because service, it happens once so rarely on Sundays and decided that with as many people as it takes in this body to pull off a normal uh, service and all, that we would give them the time off to actually be able to uh, fully partake in their family's own traditions and all that uh, perhaps they have, uh, they have developed, as most families do over the years, about Christmas Eve and all. And so we're really glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, this morning as I was before the Lord in prayer, I, was just, I just thought I should be particularly mindful of those who have experienced the death of a loved one um, such that this is the first Christmas and all that that means when they will be going through it without that loved one. And I think about, I know uh, two offhand come to mind of widows and widowers in our church. And I'm just curious, if you lost a loved one this year, could I just see your hand? Okay, actually, I'm glad to see so few, <laughs> um, but I tell you that that the heart of God understands in a way that nobody else can of what it is like to go through the jubilant and the joyous time of the Christmas season with this big gaping hole in your heart so fresh, having for the first time experienced again the, the sights and the sounds and the smells of the season. And those things tend to bring back memories, and those memories can be bittersweet. And so I just prayed this morning that the Lord would, in a very special and particular way, wrap his arms around you and just give you a special kind of Christmas hug, as corny as that may sound, and just lift you up into the throne room of God to experience that presence of his that eclipses everything else. The Bible is about Jesus Christ. On his road to Emmaus, he said as much to the disciples as he was explaining to them who he was by using the prophets that were centuries and millennia old. And so this morning, you will hear that developed again as we are committed here at Faith um, to bring the fullness of God's word to us in the full counsel that he has for us. Let me have you stand. What a glorious night that it was when those shepherds beheld the angelic host giving their big announcement. It's truly unfortunate, and that's really understating it, that for many people, for many Christians, the Old Testament is all but overlooked in one's lifetime devotion because the history of Jesus begins well before the angels break the silence from the last book of the Old Testament, which is the book of Malachi. And as Malachi's writings come to an end, there is a period where God's, manifest presence in any way shape and form is revelation is completely removed there are no longer any prophets being raised up to foretell what god has put on their lips to tell his people there are no dreams there are no visions there are no angelic visitations there are no miracles there is absolutely zip nada just silence for the next 430 years And then that silence is finally cracked by a divine messenger sent to a very special couple. And in that starlit night, the hope of eternity shone for all to see. Let's stand. After 430 years of divine silence, Luke tells us, An angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah standing to the right of the altar of of incense and Zacharias was troubled where we read when he saw the angel and fear gripped him but the angel said to him do not be afraid Zacharias for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. What a tactful guy. That just hit me right now. I'm an old geezer. My wife, uh, you know, she's advanced. Well played. The angel said to him, I am Gavriel I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. Now behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Then Gabriel appears to Mary. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. As we read through the scriptures and we read the stories of the reactions of real people to miraculous visitations and God sometimes giving them utterly just spectacular, truly unbelievable things to ponder and think about, I always appreciate the glimpses that we get about real people experiencing real life and, and, and see that our humanity is fully understood by God and that he really, that I can think of in all of the scriptures as many times as I've read through it, that God never gets annoyed with the honest doubter who is seeking truth. Now the dishonest doubter who uses doubt in continuous questioning, God calls that person out who is using their doubt as a defense against the truth. The moment that Mary was approached by the divine messenger, four centuries of silence was shattered and the hope of mankind foretold from the beginning became flesh. The study of music it can be not just interesting but educational in fact even enlightening depending there are songs which are written to be particularly emotive of an individual's emotions ranging from joy all the way to heartache and then there are others that seem more focused on the dissemination of cognitive Uh, information on, on thoughts and ideas. In the case of Christian music, such songs often disseminate doctrine, the truths, the tenets, the important aspects of the faith. Some songs do this as we have learned, especially during the the worship wars and the ongoing culture wars within the church concerning contemporary music, that some songs do this much better than others. Well, one of those songs that stands out and has over, over 250 years is a song that was written by Charles Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church. He was also a very prolific songwriter, penning, according to some people, as many as ten poetic lines a day. Now, that doesn't seem all that extraordinary, except supposedly he did that for 50 years. In 1737, Wesley was working on a new composition for Christmas, and he jotted down in the course of his writings a strange little phrase that, even within the culture and the familiar language of the day, was little understood by many and so well known revivalist, evangelist preacher George Whitfield found the lyric and he decided to clean it up, to rewrite it, to make it more understandable. Well in that very same year, a man named Williams, William Cummings, who was a singer for the renowned composer Felix Mendelssohn, borrowed one of Mendelssohn I like that borrowed. <laughs> borrowed one of Mendelssohn's compositions that was a tribute to to Johann Gutenberg, the man who invented the printing press expressly for the purpose of printing Bibles so that it would be more available to the masses. Well, the revised version of Wesley's song was then put to the musical genius of Mendelssohn, making it one of the most recognized Christmas carols in the world. And someone noted that just how fitting it is that the lyrics of Wesley, a man who himself was committed to the evangelism of the world to faith in Christ, combined with a musical tribute to the man who invented the printing press precisely to make the Bible more available to the world, were united in one great song that we know today as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, I said just a moment ago that some songs are particularly good at disseminating doctrine. This is one of those songs. In verse 1, Wesley starts, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Now reconciled isn't a word that really is in common use today. But it simply means that within the context of personality and relationship, there has been some kind of a breach perhaps a lack of trust, perhaps a failure to meet a contract or to fulfill one word or a lapse in integrity. And so where there used to be a relationship, there was a cleavage now. We've all experienced this in our own lives. The person when you're at Walmart, you see across the store and you make sure that you head down another aisle so as to avoid them. (laughs) We've all experienced that breach in relationship. And yet in Wesley's song, he writes that God and sinners are reconciled. In fact, in Paul's letter to the church at Rome centuries uh, before that, he wrote this song. Paul writes, If while we were enemies we were reconciled, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And this reconciliation between God and man gives rise to the joy of the chorus of the song. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim." Christ is born in Bethlehem. Verse 2, Christ by highest heaven adored, the writer of Hebrews, penned the words of Hebrews, of course under God's inspiration, precisely to extol the virtues and the majesty of Jesus over anyone and everything. There is nothing that does not bow before him. And in the words of the writer of Hebrews, he says he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by word of his power. He is Christ, the everlasting Lord. And the fulfillment of the words of Isaiah some centuries before, in Isaiah 9 we read, for a child will be born to us 700 years before Jesus Again, this was more than 700 years before the advent of Christ's birth. We can understand better Wesley's next lyric. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. The Apostle Paul again writes to the church at Galatia, but when the fullness of time came, God, meaning not according to our timing or to the world's timing think of all the centuries in fact millennia that transpired waiting for the long foretold messiah but when the fullness of time came paul says god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law so that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying Abba, which has nothing to do with the Swedish band by the same name. (laughs) It is a term of endearment, something along the lines of daddy or papa. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but you are now sons and daughters. And if sons and daughters, then an heir, not error, an heir through God Wesley continues veiled in flesh the Godhead see God himself taking on human form hail the incarnate deity God took on flesh the incarnation carne carne asada baked meat, cooked meat, grilled meat It means to take on, literally, meat, to take on flesh and bone and blood. God came as a man. As man, he came, and as man, he was pleased with men to dwell. The writer of Hebrews again tells us that Jesus' coming was for nothing and no one other than us. He had nothing to gain by it, and he had so much to suffer for in so doing. And yet we are told that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It was all for you and me. This Jesus, who is Emmanuel, Hebrew for God with us. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So what should be our response? Well, the song continues. Hail, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son of Righteousness. But He deserves more than just attaboys. Good job. Well done. And He certainly deserves more than merely respect or admiration. He deserves nothing less than worship. Why? The verse continues, Because light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings, The Gospel writer John in chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Mild He lays His glory by, born that man no more may die. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, referring to Jesus, saying that although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God something to be clung to, something to be grasped, but rather he emptied himself. He humbled himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death. On a cross. Jesus came, God Almighty, God in the flesh, emptying himself of his divine prerogatives in order to be an acceptable substitute for any and all who will receive it. Paul continues. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus came into the world, the gates of hell were shattered for the perfect one whose life was without blemish or spot or wrinkle conquered death for sin is the power of death and he who was sinless could not be held down and to this end he was born to raise the sons of earth born to give them second birth hence Jesus comes into the world precisely to give up his life that we might be raised up with Him in eternity in the very presence of God Almighty. The coming of the baby Jesus was not for His sake, but for ours. Christmas. The Christ Mass is that He was born to die that we may live. Hark! The herald angels sing glory to the newborn King. Let's stand and sing this in worship. If your heart has been drawn to him, if your heart is being drawn to him today, if you want to be filled with that faith, if you need to be filled with that faith, and the Lord invites you today to come. To come, all you who are faithful. Let's sing his praise. I'm going to ask the hankers to come on up, Scott and Pam. You're always sitting over there. You just do that to mess with the pastor.
1: Good morning. Today we light the final of the four Advent candles, the Mary candle. It is the candle that celebrates a brave
0: young woman who trusted the Lord even though it meant possible rejection and certain gossip and shame. Her reward was not an earthly reward, for as we will see in our reading this morning, she faced certain heartache because she chose to say yes to the Lord's calling.
1: Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bond servant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed.
0: On the night, that silent night was to be debuted in a little German church, if I'm remembering things correctly, the musician came in, sat at the old organ in the very, very cold church, and there was no sound to come out. It was frozen. And so, grabbing a guitar, sat down and started to play what has become a long tradition and a great song. Called Silent Night. Our Father in Heaven, you pierced the silence of four centuries, and you announced the miracle of miracles, and in the fullness of time you brought forth our Savior, our Lord. The coming King, without whom there is no salvation. And whose name, when it will be uttered, and when He appears, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, sweet Savior. This concludes our Christmas Eve morning day service. We invite you to stick around, visit the hub. We have some uh, light refreshments and uh, spread the joy of the season amongst yourself. Father in heaven, we lift your name up. And in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray your awesome Christmas joy be upon all in this place today. In the name and to the glory of Jesus. Amen.